This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Have a jazz question that needs answering? Well, then give us a call on our podcast questions hotline at 910-LJS-CAST. That's 910-557-2278. Leave us a voicemail with your jazz question and you may just hear it answered on a future LJS podcast episode. That's 910-LJS-CAST. Here we go. Hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Brent. You're listening to the LJS Podcast. So excited that you're here today. The LJS Podcast is the podcast where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And I want to welcome all of our listeners from all around the world, whether you're listening from our home base at learnjazzstandards.com, iTunes, or your favorite podcast listening service. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today and taking the time out of your day to listen to today's episode. I'm so stoked to get into today's topic. Uh, And before we start that though, learnjazzstandards.com, if you're not familiar already, it is a blog. It is a podcast, obviously, that you're listening to. And it's all about giving out jazz tips, advice, lessons, uh, resources for learning jazz repertoire. It's really a jazz geeks website. And so if you haven't checked out Learn Jazz Standards before, check out the website, learnjazzstandards.com and make sure you get plugged in with us. If you never want to miss anything that we come out with, we come out with tons of free jazz education materials every single week. So don't miss out on that. Sign up for our newsletter. Go to learnjazzstandards.com slash newsletter and become a part of our jazz community. We would love to have you. Uh, Now, on today's episode 51, I can't believe we're at episode 51 because that means that next week is going to be our one-year birthday of the LJS podcast. Uh, We started the the podcast one year ago, almost one year ago, and uh, decided to give a shot. And I have to say, it has uh, been incredibly successful. And I just want to thank everybody for listening. We have right now we're averaging twenty six thousand downloads a month, which is awesome. And that's not including uh, viewers on YouTube and Facebook Live and all that stuff. So I just want to really thank everybody for listening to this podcast over the year. For those that have been there from the beginning. Um, So I'm excited for that birthday episode next week. We have actually a really special episode planned for that. So uh, definitely keep listening to the podcast. Uh, Tune in for next week. Um, But for today's episode 51, I'm going to be talking about jam sessions. Everything you need to know about jazz jam sessions because I've gotten a lot of uh, questions about this uh, via email and actually recently had a question via the LGS podcast hotline asking questions about jam sessions and networking. So today, it's all about jazz jam sessions, why you should be going to them, uh, why you should be hosting them yourself, how to network, how to be prepared for them, the whole lot, just trying to answer all the questions that you may have about jazz jam sessions. Now, before I go any further, though, I want to refer back to episode 49, where 
Uh, I talked about three ways practicing in all 12 keys will make you a better jazz musician. At the end of that episode, I I challenged you to take either a, a lick that you learned or a jazz standard that you already know into all 12 keys and practice that for the week. And I told you I was going to be taking that challenge as well and reporting back to you on the next episode how it went for me. And I guess last week I got so wrapped up in episode 50 with our special guest Keelan Dimmick talking about jazz comping. It was such a great episode. I was so excited to have him on that I just totally forgot to report back to you on how that went for me. And if you remember, I actually took the jazz standard My Shining Hour into all 12 keys. I Took it into two different keys each day. I practiced for seven days and just spent time improvising uh, and playing the melody and and doing a little comping myself on that jazz standard. And I want to say it went really well for me. I chose that standard for a particular reason for some of the harmonic movements that it has. And it was just really great to practice it in keys that I normally would never, ever play that song in and just loosen up those uh, those keys and just realize that certain keys are much harder for me than others are. And just to practice that, it was such a great practice. Um, now it's not too late for you. If you want to take this challenge, uh, the challenge is always up. So if you haven't taken that challenge yet, uh, make it your goal this week to take either a lick, or if you want a, a little bit of an extra challenge, a jazz standard, you already know into all 12 keys, take it in two keys each day. Uh, just wanted to report back to you on that. Uh, it was great practice for me. I know it will be for you as well. Gotta love it, new podcast sound effects, which means that it is time for our weekly segment of Ask LGS. Now, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, what Ask LGS is, is users call in to our podcast questions hotline, which is 910-LGS-CAST or 910-557-2278, and they leave us a voicemail with a jazz question, and it could be answered on a future LGS podcast episode. So... Uh, We're going to have two questions today, actually, because the second question has to do with today's topic about jam sessions. But let's go ahead and dive in to our first listener question. Hi, my name is Nick Baddeley from Windsor, Ontario. I'm a jazz drummer, so I was wondering what you guys look for in a jazz drummer and what do you like about performing with them, like what you look for and uh, what you guys don't like. Hey, Nick from Ontario. Awesome question. And thanks for calling the LGS podcast questions hotline. Really appreciate it. And thanks for also being the first uh, caller outside of the United States. So our first international caller. And actually, hey, my parents are Canadian. So we already got something in common here. Now, your question is very, it varies depending on the person. So it's actually a very opinionated question. So I actually, I went out of my way to this week to ask a few people uh, of, my, of my friends uh, who are all professional jazz musicians, what they like out of drummers. But first, I'll just start with the ones that I like, which quite a few of them uh, agreed with. And for me, I like a, a sensitive, a dynamically sensitive drummer. You know, not uh, not too loud. There are some drummers that just play uh, really loud, and it's not so much the loudness that bothers me, because I think it can be appropriate to play loud, but um, drummers that kind of just overtake the rest of the band. So I really appreciate, my favorite drummers are the ones that really just play to the level of, of whatever the music is calling for. So if it's dynamically soft, they're playing soft. It's, if it's dynamically loud and busy, they're doing that. So just having sense, uh, like sensitivity to dynamics, I think is important to me. Um, not being too busy. Uh, I think that I prefer when drummers are, you know, comping 
it comes back to that sensitivity thing, just being sensitive with your comping and, uh, you know, doing what's appropriate for the music in the moment. I also really do appreciate drummers that are interactive. Um, I don't, uh, I I love drummers that are really laying down a groove, of course. Um, and that's really important, but I also really want my drummers to be interacting with what the rest of the band is playing and, you know, feeding off. So not just laying down a groove. That's, that's to me, especially in a jazz setting, that's only really part of it. So I really enjoy an interactive drummer, someone who's really listening to the music and the band and what's going on and playing off of that. Uh, I asked uh, a bass player, cause I know that's really important dynamic between the bass player and the drummer. Cause they're always trying to lock up. And I know that, um, a bass player friend of mine said that a good time feel is really important, you know, cause if there's dragging or rushing and it goes both ways for sure. Um, but if there's dragging or rushing it can be really hard for a bass player to lock up with the drummer. So just really focusing on having a really great time feel through and through is obviously really, really important. And then I heard from somebody else that just having a really strong groove, you know, just a really strong sense of groove, you know, if it's swinging, just make it swing really hard. And, you know, if it's straight eighth, just really locking that in, you know, whatever kind of music it is, just having a really strong, solid foundation. I've also talked to other musicians that really enjoy, uh, you know, drummers that do the whole Ari Honig thing, you know, very ethereal, very uh, open and free, you know, so it all really depends on who you're asking, who you're playing with. Those are just the things that I like and a few friends of mine uh, have said. So thanks so much. Now, if you want to join Nick in asking a question on the LGS podcast, then call the hotline. It's 910-LGS-CAST or 910-557-2278. Uh, the question could be answered on a future LGS podcast episode. So be sure to call in that number. We're going to do another question uh, on Ask LGS, but we're going to do that in our main segment. So let's jump in to our main event. Right now, jam sessions, super important for jazz musicians to be attending, to be uh, setting up for themselves. And, and, I, and there's a lot of stuff I'm going to go in about that, but I think it's a, appropriate to start the show with uh, an LGS podcast question uh, we got recently. Um, I think it's a great question to dive into it. It's one of the aspects of jam sessions that we're going to be talking about today. So let's listen to that really quick. Hi, this is Casey from Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, I seem to preface my question with uh, this, and I, I promise I'll keep this short. But what I've noticed is that for classical musicians wanting to find work, there's always an audition process. Uh, if they want to get into a symphony or a small ensemble, there's always an, uh, an audition. But for jazz musicians, it's, uh, it's not like that at all. There's a social aspect to it. And so my question is, is uh, could you take some time on one of your episodes to talk about uh, sort of the social aspect of uh, being a jazz musician? Uh, how to talk to people at jam sessions, how to approach people at jam sessions, how to market yourself as a jazz musician, uh, those those sorts of things. Uh, That'd be very helpful for me, and I'm sure a few other people too. Thank you. Casey from Charlotte, thanks so much for asking that question. Uh, You are certainly right. I think a lot of other people can get some value out of an answer to that question. You also hit it perfectly on the head. Jazz is a very social 
kind of music. And indeed, the process for, uh, you know, marketing yourself and just getting engaged in a community uh, is a lot different than perhaps maybe classical music as the example that you gave. Um, And so that's certainly a big aspect of it. And that actually kicks off this talk really well about jam sessions. And and the place I want to start before directly answering that question is just talking about why jam sessions are important in the first place. You know, jazz music is is really a jam session kind of music. It, it, it all starts with musicians getting together and sharing their knowledge with each other, sharing what they know about jazz music with each other. You know, back in the bebop days, that's really what it was all about before bebop. You know, after the, the swing uh, the, the big bands would would do their gigs. They would go off to a club and they would just jam. And that was the time where they all got to get together and show their stuff. And they would have what they called cutting sessions, uh, which sounds a little bit more brutal and uh, competitive. But they would get together and, and show their stuff. And it was kind of out of that tradition that music like bebop got born and, and that style of of music. So the, the tradition of jazz is truly social. It's about jam sessions. It's about hearing other people play. It's about going to each other's gigs, sitting in at each other's gigs. That's really the uh, culture. That's really jazz culture. So it's incredibly important. So if you want to be a a jazz musician, if you want to, um, you know, be involved in that, you got to jam. And uh, so that's really important for this music. If you're not involved in that to some degree, um, that's going to be a problem. And, and then the other side of it, too, is just the playing aspect. You know, to become a great jazz improviser, you have to play a lot with other people. You can't just sit in your practice room and, and shed your stuff because at the end of the day, the real practicing is on the bandstand, whether that's at a gig or whether that's at a jam session. That's how you can really learn from other musicians and put the stuff that you've been practicing in the practice room to the test is on the bandstand. So jam sessions are incredibly important for that. And that's why we should all, as musicians, be doing those. Now, there's two kinds of jazz jam sessions, and uh, I want to just talk about those really quickly in case you're not familiar. And, And they're pretty simple. The first one is the typical public jam session. Now, most cities, uh, even around the world, um, have a jazz jam session, maybe tucked away. Maybe you don't know about it, but they do. Um, perhaps you know smaller cities and and less uh, metropolis-like areas don't have jazz jam sessions. It really depends on where you live. But if you certainly if you live in a in or near a big metropolis, there's likely to be a jazz jam session going on, being hosted at a bar, being hosted at a restaurant, or even a club. So uh, you know, be sure to try to seek those out so you can find them. And that's a public jam session. Someone usually runs it, and it's at an establishment, and a bunch of musicians can get together uh, that you probably have, don't know. You know, that's where a real network of knowing other jazz musicians can come into place if you're not going to a school for music or something like that. Jazz jam sessions, public jam sessions are a great place to meet other musicians and um, allow other musicians to meet you. So it's great networking. Now, uh, there's also just you know a private jam session where you uh, just get together some of your friends, the ones you like to play with, or maybe you uh, met uh, some new musicians at a public jam session or 
some other gig that you've played and you just get them together and say, hey, come over to my apartment or my house and let's just play for a little bit and shed some tunes and have a great time. And that's that's also jam session and that's especially beneficial for just getting together and playing and honing your chops together. Like that's that communal aspect of jazz that just has to be there. And so setting up private jam sessions for yourself is is a great thing and I love doing that. I actually try to do that um, as much as I can, uh, you know, to fit into my busy schedule. Now, let's just talk really quickly about what you need to be prepared for when going to a jazz jam session. You know, I know maybe some of you are, are beginners and you haven't attended a, a public jam session before. You might be a little nervous, would want to know exactly what you should have together before you go. And that's a great question. Um, and I think there's really just two things. They're pretty simple. The first thing is just make sure you have uh, a, a decent knowledge about jazz already. You don't have to be amazing. You don't have to be uh, a professional at all by any means. In fact, uh, the jam session is a great place to learn, but you need to have some things together. So if you're um, just getting started on jazz, maybe you need to get some of those chops together. Make sure you have some abilities uh, to start with. You know, I wouldn't go in not ever having worked on jazz, not ever having studied jazz to a jazz jam session because you might frustrate some of the other players. So make sure you have some of those skills together, but you don't have to obviously be a whiz or anything. It's okay. Now, the second thing I would say is make sure you know jazz standards because jazz standards are the music that people will be playing. So you want to have a good handful of jazz standards under your belt already before you go to the session. And, you know, it depends on the city. Um, You know, different cities have different uh, jazz standards that people call. So it might be worth your while to maybe just attend a jam session first and not play and just see uh, what kind of music they're playing. If you're not sure that you have a big repertoire or not, you know, uh, depending on the scene, it may be more or less um, competitive with lots of great musicians. So, you know, New York, I know having a, a big knowledge of standards, um, New York's where I live, is, is important just because there's so many musicians uh, that know a lot of music. So it's important to know a lot of standards. Um, So just have some repertoire ready to go. And that's what I would say you should be prepared and mindful of before you go to a jam session. All right. Now, a little bit of good jam session etiquette that you should have in mind when you're at a jam session. Um, The first one is don't take too long of solos. You know, there's a lot of people trying to play, a lot of people trying to jam. Uh, It's not ever fun to hog the stage too much. You know, I it's a personal pet peeve of mine when. Um, certain musicians will just play for a long, long, long period of time and, you know, kind of have a little bit of disregard for the other instrumentalists that want to play or maybe people that are waiting to come up for the next song, you know, just a lot of different things like that. So, you know, be mindful of your solo. Just take a, a regular solo. You don't need to play for ages and show off your stuff. Um, call songs you know. Uh, that's a big mistake some people make is, Sometimes they call a song because they think it's going to be hip or cool, but they don't know it that well. And so then you end up kind of looking like a like a fool, sort of. You don't really know the music that you're calling. So you want to make sure that you know the music that you're calling. Don't be afraid to call a song that you just know really well. Um, don't be afraid of what the other musicians think. You know, if you ever want to go into a room full of really insecure people, go to a jazz jam session. Just a room full of people that are uh, nervous and um, just self, uh, overly self-aware. <laughs> so... D- don't be in that headspace. It's that's not worth it. Uh, just be confident in you know the song choices that you're picking, and don't worry about what other people think if they don't like that song or not. You know, just do the songs that you know you find are your strength, and 
Um, don't play a song that you don't know, uh, which kind of leads into the next one. Don't play songs you don't know is actually what it is. Uh, meaning that if someone else calls a song, hey, let's play uh, You Don't Know What Love Is, and you don't know that song, then it may be worth saying it unless you think that you have really great ears and you can pick it up as you go, or if you sort of know it and you think, well, I'm not playing a leading role in this, so I can probably just listen to the rest of the band. So know your abilities, um, but don't call. Don't play a song if you don't know it. Maybe say, oh, sorry, don't be afraid to say, I'm sorry, I don't know that song, um, and maybe suggest an alternative. You know, I don't think there's anything um, wrong with that. But then also take note of that too. Oh, I didn't know that song. I'll go learn that song for next time to learn that that's another great thing about jam sessions is getting the opportunity just to learn new music by just hearing what other musicians are wanting to play hey everybody just taking a quick break from today's show to talk to you about our e-course 30 days to better jazz playing You know, I get emails almost every day from jazz musicians asking the questions, what do I practice and how do I practice? They know where they want to be in their jazz playing. They know how they want to sound. They're just not exactly sure how to get there. And that's why me and the LGS team have created our new e-course, 30 Days to Better Jazz Playing. 30 Days to Better Jazz Playing is an audio e-course that brings you through 30 days of focused, goal-oriented practicing where you're going to be working on things that will actually improve your jazz playing. This course is designed for all instruments and for all skill levels and is really great for anybody looking to practice with purpose and to make real improvement in their jazz playing. If you want to learn more about this e-course, go to learnjazzstandards.com slash 30 days. That's learnjazzstandards.com slash 30 days. I hope to see you in the course. Now, networking. This gets at the heart of Casey's question from earlier in the episode, uh, which really is talking about how in classical music, he gave the example, you know, you go to auditions and that's how you get gigs and that's how you, uh, you know, get connected with uh, the, the classical world. And in jazz, it's it's really quite different. You know, you don't go to auditions for gigs. Uh, you you meet other people and then they hire you for gigs and you get connected by knowing people. That's what it's all about. And that's where jam sessions is really important. So how do you network at jazz jam sessions? Well, first of all, like an audition you have to play well. You know, if you're if you're a good player and uh, someone else from uh, an equal playing level or a better playing level or uh, it doesn't really matter, like enjoys the way you're playing, then they're going to consider you for maybe a gig. They're going to be like, wow, I like playing with that person. That was fun hearing him play at the jam session, hearing her play at the jam session. And I think that'd be a great person to play uh, at a gig that's coming up. That's you know, obviously, that's the almost the audition side of it. Is that when you're at a jam session and you're, you're 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 showing your stuff to everybody? You know how well you can play, and if they like the way you play, you're more likely to get called for gigs if people at the jam session do indeed have gigs. So the first thing is just play well. You know, uh, that's what practicing is all for. That's what going to the sessions and learning at the sessions is for. Is you're just always getting better and better as a musician. 
the second thing is to socialize. I mean, it's all about socializing. It's usually at a bar. Go buy yourself a beer. Get yourself a glass of wine and just hang out with people while you're not playing. Talk to them. Ask them, you know, where they're from, what they do, uh, you know, if they play around, you know, just socialize. You know, uh, if <laughs> jam sessions are an introvert's nightmare. And, you know, I actually tend to be uh, sort of in the middle of the spectrum. I don't know if you've ever taken the Myers-Briggs test. It's one of the more well-known personality tests. I find it's actually really quite accurate. And I can kind of tend to be... Um, Sort of in the middle of the spectrum between extrovert and introvert, uh, leaning a little bit more to the introverted side. But in general, I'm not a big small talker, so it can be kind of hard for me to engage in small talk. But that's really a lot about what you know networking at a jam session is all about. It's just about being friendly, being yourself, and trying to make friends with people. That's all it really is. Um, so just socialize, talk with people. Uh, you know, be personable. Uh, you know, just have. Uh, a warm personality. That's really what it's all about, about is is socializing. So don't just use it as a place to play your music. Socialize with other people. Talk with other people. That's really, really important. Get people's phone numbers. That's obviously an obvious and really important one is just to get people's phone numbers. You know, you're socializing, you're playing with these musicians and you like what they're playing. Go up and say, hey, uh, I have... Uh, some gigs coming up or I just maybe we could get together and play some other time. I'd love to get your number and here's mine. And just do that. If someone asks for your phone number, of course, give them your phone number. That's just a really simple and obvious thing you can do just to expand your contacts and keep in contact with those musicians at that at that public jam session, which kind of leads into the next thing, which is set up private jam sessions. This is where private jam sessions come in. Set up private jam sessions with those you meet at the public jam sessions. It kind of furthers that musical relationship. Call that person up and say, hey, uh, I'd love to get a jam session together with some of these other guys. I think you would be an awesome person to come in and play, and let's just play some tunes together. That's furthering that musical relationship. That's a really important part of of networking and and just going further outside of that one space. Um, now, attend the public. If, you're, if this is a public jam session you're going to, attend that session regularly, okay? If you really want to be known or show your face around uh, and start really developing friendships with the other regulars, you'll attend regularly. And I know for for me personally, I have had times uh, throughout, especially in college where I did attend jam sessions regularly and I became a familiar face to people. And then of course, there's been jam sessions where I just show up once, maybe twice. You know, I wasn't really... Uh, in the network, and so therefore not a lot of fruitfulness came out of it. Um, and even with private jam sessions, have them regularly. Uh, that'll just kind of build a bond of, of musical friends. It's really all about making friends, right, when it comes down to it. Um, they're just musical friends, so there's a little bit of a different aspect to it. So attend the jam sessions regularly. That's really important if you want to network in a jazz scene. Um ask people to play gigs. If you have a gig uh, and you met someone at a jam session that you like, offer them a gig. You know, don't expect someone else to give you a gig if you're not willing to give them a gig as well, right? So if you have a gig to offer to someone, a great way would be to to give them a gig. Say, hey, uh, I got a, a gig coming up. It pays this much. It's here. It's from this time to this time. Can you do it? And then they're going to remember that. They're going to be like, oh, wow, that person liked my playing and wow, they just hooked me up with a gig. That's awesome. They're going to keep you in mind for a gig, perhaps, if they enjoy playing with you. So, you know, if you're not willing to offer someone else a gig, don't expect someone to give you a gig back. So 
make sure to keep that in mind. So a great way is just to, if you have a gig, give it to someone that you've been uh, enjoying their playing at a jam session. Now, before uh, we close off this episode today, I just want to address two uh, concerns that maybe you're having right now, and they're more situational. And the first one is, what if you can't find any jazz jam sessions in your city or town? What if none exist? Well, if you think about it, for any jazz jam session to exist, someone had to take the initiative to set it up. So why don't you just make it you who takes the initiative to set up the jazz jam session? So go to a local uh, a venue, a bar, a restaurant, and approach uh, the person in charge and say, hey, I think a great idea would be to hire just a small house band for a Wednesday night or Friday night or Thursday night jam session. Uh, a lot of musicians are going to come in and buy drinks and hang out and play. Uh, it would be a great way to uh, promote your business and we could have a great jazz jam session in town. And... Try to work it out yourself. Now, this is obviously contingent that you know there's other musicians around that would be interested in this. So you want to gauge the interest uh, first. It really depends on how small of a a population we're talking about here. Um, But you want to engage the interest of those and then try to set it up for yourself. Try to make your own jam session. You know, it'd be a great way uh, to kind of bring life to the jazz scene in your local area. So if you don't know of any in the area, if you can't find any, try thinking about maybe starting one up yourself. You'd be doing a great benefit for the musical community at the same time. Now, the other one I want to address is what if you feel like you're not good enough to play? What if you're really intimidated to go to a jam session because, um, you know, I don't feel like I'm that good of a player right now. And I'm sure there's a lot of really good players and what will they think? And will they be, you know, will, will they be judging me and all this stuff? Um, and, and to answer your question there, you know, like I said at the beginning to, to kind of like look at yourself, you know, and, and, and ask yourself, do I have the necessary skills that I need to to start, you know, do I have, have I put in some homework first? Do I know some jazz standards? Do I know how to play my instrument? Um, have I studied jazz, uh, to a certain degree that it's time that I go up to a jam session? Ask yourself that first, but at the end of the day, you have to start somewhere. You can't be afraid of, um, going and playing with better players. In fact, it's the best thing to do for yourself is to play with players that are better than you. And, you know, there's going to be some people that will, that will be jerks. And that's unfortunate. That's a really unfortunate aspect. Sometimes at jam sessions is there's some vibey egotistical players there um, who forget that they, they started somewhere too. They had to uh, start at a certain place and become a better player by being challenged by, you know, realizing I didn't know that song. So now I'm going to go home and learn that song. So that's an unfortunate aspect, but don't be intimidated by that. Don't be discouraged, you know, show up, uh, judge and assess your abilities and, and play and just get involved in, and go for it. Um, again, call songs that you're comfortable with, you know, to start with and, and just try to, uh, play with your level and, and, and also get private jam sessions together, right? Cause that's a little bit of a safer space. Uh, if you're a little afraid at first of going to public jam sessions, find like-minded musicians that maybe you're on a similar level and work with them first. So that's the advice I would give to those who are feeling a little bit nervous to get started with jam sessions. Uh, to summarize all of this, jam sessions are really important for jazz musicians. Be sure to get involved in them. I highly, highly, highly recommend that you get started at jam sessions today.
All right, that's all for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And as always, if you have anything else to add to this topic, you can go to the show notes. That's at learnjazzstandards.com. Click on podcast in the top menu. Find this episode 51. Leave a comment in the show notes. We want to hear from you. This is a jazz community. Now, if you're on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review that really helps uh, improve our podcast and help other people find the podcast. Be sure to become part of our jazz community at learnjazzstandards.com slash newsletter. Get involved. Don't miss anything that we come out with. Now, next week, we're coming out with episode 52, which is our one-year birthday of the LGS podcast. We have a special podcast episode in store for you. Keep listening, and I'll see you next week. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.